Up next, the news you can use from YAA. It's your 30-minute fix for all your car questions, industry news, and tips you can use when buying your next vehicle. We're your hosts, Ray and Zach Shevska, the founders of YAA. We're here every weekday, live at noon Eastern. Check us out at joinyaa.com. Come on, get in! By the Seiko on my watch, it's noon on... Wait, 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 no, no, no. By the Seiko on on my wrist. I'm sorry. By the Seiko, according to the Seiko on my wrist, it's Friday, November 19th, and it's noon with news that you can use from YAA with your favorite hosts, Zach and Ray. I wonder what kind of nonsense we can bring to you today. Pops, I think Halloween was a couple weeks ago, but is that someone knocking on the pops? I think someone's at the door. Can you let him in? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my God, it's Kimberly Klein, the F&I goddess herself. It's about time you answered the door, but now we're knocking, knocking, knocking. I'm sorry. Miss Kimberly Klein, what is your go-to Halloween candy? I don't think we've ever had this conversation. I'll put you on the spot. No. You as well, Pops. What are, what are your go-to Halloween candy? Well, I like those popcorn balls. What are popcorn balls? Well, it's something that they used to make back in the 70s, and in our neighborhood... All of the um, the the housewives in the neighborhood they would make these wonderful popcorn balls. Does anybody remember that? Anyway, that's my go-to Halloween thing. Pops, um, um, Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> I know about those. I don't know about yeah, or or a Nestle Crunch and a popcorn ball. Yeah, <laughs> Nestle Crunch. Yes, and Whoppers. Happy oh, Friday from those. Justice. Uh, Jeannie's here. Steve's here. Melissa's here. Hardcore Weather's here. Justice, we appreciate you being here. Whoops, space is in the house as space. well. Yeah. Um, here we go. I'm with you, Kimberly. Okay, Melissa. Yeah, Hi, okay. He's sending me a, a basket of popcorn balls. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm on Instagram. Oh, my God. Thank you. Are those, Thank are those popcorn balls in your pocket? Or... Oh, no, forget it. <laughs> Igor is also here. Hey, Igor. All right. Igor. Here's the deal, guys. Morgan Stanley. You guys familiar with Morgan Stanley? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a young up-and-comer. Yeah, yeah so I've, heard, I've heard of him. Morgan Stanley. We've got uh, uh, interesting news from one of their analysts. Their analyst named, uh, what's his name here? Adam Jonas. Adam Jonas covers all of the automotive retailers. One of the Jonas this, brothers? He could be one of the Jonas brothers. I'm going to pull this article up on the screen, guys. Auto dealers' stocks fall after bearish Morgan Stanley report. Direct to consumer sales pose a threat even bigger than the threat of electrification. 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 Thank you. Itself. So, all of the publicly traded dealership groups, for example, Penske was down over 10%. Sonic was down 8.6%. Group One, who just closed on Hey Igor, 30 different, 27, excuse me, 27 different dealerships, they were down (laughs) 11.5%. Auto Nation was down nearly 10%. And Lithia was down nearly 9%, or was down 9%. Asbury down nearly 9% as well. All of these big publicly traded stocks went down because. Jonas essentially said, I've got concerns about the franchise dealer model um, as more and more consumers are getting used to EV companies. For example, Rivian is now selling direct to consumer. The Vietnamese startup VinFast just announced their U.S. cars at the L.A. Auto Show the other day. They're going to be selling direct to consumer with 60 dealerships in California that are not franchise dealerships. My question to you, Pops, is are we seeing, is Adam Jonas right? Is this Jonas brother correct? Is this the end of the dealership model? 
Uh, now you know why this Jonas brother wasn't in the singing group. Okay, he he he. I I believe he to be incorrect. Um, do I think there uh, is pressure on the industry itself and and the dealership model as we know it? Yes, I do. Uh, do I see it at such significant levels as he does? No, I do not. Kimberly? I, com I completely agree. I don't see that happening. And the stocks are going to come right back up. I think it's going to be a bounce. And um, however, with that said, if it does go that way, I will be so interested to see how the finance office changes along with it. Oh, that would be. So if you think about it, the dealership, we talk about all the time, the dealership makes most of their money on service, obviously. So the yes. service drive, and that's not going to go away. We're talking about the franchise uh, selling of vehicles. But on the sales side, where they make money is on the finance products, placing the loans and selling the extended warranty products and things like that. What's fascinating is that's not going to go away because that's a, a segment of the market. That's a multi-billion dollar a year industry is F&I. And if dealerships are no longer in the equation of selling the vehicles, does that mean the OEM is now going to try? And if you think about it, actually, guys, for example, here, like if you buy an Apple product, I got my iPhone right here. I can buy Apple Care, mm -hmm. and it's from Apple. So I get the Apple extended warranty. I go to Apple for service. Are we eventually going to see, I mean, Toyota already has Toyota Care, but like Toyota Care, where they're the ones selling the F&I product, not the dealership? Is that like... No, you don't think so, Pops? I don't think so. Uh, there's, you know, we tend to forget that there's over 17,000 franchised automobile dealerships in the United States. There are any number of uh, state and federal regulations regarding the operation as to how these franchise dealerships work. Um, there are strong state supported groups from dealer bodies uh, concerning the franchise laws. Um, it's very difficult. As you well know, we did a video one time concerning um, direct to consumer sales. And it was the language in most of the states where they're allowing it is it has to be like a brand new startup. It has to be an electric vehicle. You know, it has to have this or it has to have that. It's so limited as to who can avail themselves of that, that I don't necessarily see it as, as that large of a threat to uh, these public retailers, at least not for another 10, 15, maybe 20 years. It, you know, a lot of stuff changes overnight. This isn't one of them. We've got a comment in the chat from Michael A. There used to be many thousands of videotape rental stores too. True that. Can I say something? Um, I mean, that's that's very valid. However, behind the scenes, as far as the finance office end of it goes, <clears throat> and you touched on it, Ray, there are other bodies that surround the dealership too. What's going to happen to them? And I'm talking about the agents that contract with the administrators, that contract with the dealerships to go in for F&I training, for F&I products in the finance office. There are, there's so many more entities surrounding the finance office and the dealership. What happens to them? And Igor's got a really good point here, guys. Monopoly laws don't allow OEMs to sell directly to consumers, and that's why dealerships will be around. And Pops, that's what you were touching on too, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and Kimberly, your point is, the way that I'm receiving your point is, there are a lot of 
entrenched businesses in this space that make a what's I, I think you said it one time that it's a there's not a big enough bull to make that much poop that much money they make that they're like there are companies out there that are entrenched in this buying process that are mints they just print money year over year and they're gonna fight tooth and nail to retain the system in whatever state it currently is because they make so much money in that way and to michael a's point think about it was there that much regulation around right. blockbuster no right but, and that's you know, why blockbuster has gone and, and and you know the the videotape store analogy just really doesn't hold water okay um it wasn't like you were getting um this entertainment directly from the manufacturers it wasn't a manufacturer to consumer uh direct sale okay much like netflix and and amazon prime and hulu and all this they they're they're not manufacturers. they are now dad well they are, now. Well, they are it, to a certain degree but it's it's hbo max paramount plus discovery plus disney plus like justice is hitting on it right here it is it is both the streaming component so to me the streaming but, component was evolution of technology and oem to consumer that's a thing i'll go ahead kimberly no, you finish your sentence. There, well, I, right? I was just going to say, I, I, yes, I get, you know, that we went to streaming and all that, but that's different than selling cars that people have to test drive, that people want to test drive, that people want to learn about. There's an educational piece to this puzzle that people don't have all the information they would, what? Tesla? Come on, man. Tesla's proven that you can do that. Have they though? Yeah. Have they? They, they've sold more cars this year than than many other uh, OEMs, and so I think I think the idea that the franchise dealership has to stay because the product specialists are there. Let me ask you a question. May may, may I refute your argument slightly? This is does, what we does, did for you. Yeah. Does Tesla have have centers that are open for people to go learn about their vehicles, to go oh, drive their vehicles? Uh, well, I don't know. That sounds a lot like a dealership model where people want to, before they invest the money it takes to buy a Tesla, I don't know. They want to try it on. They want to drive it. They want to learn something about it, not just from the internet, but from a human being. So they go and they go to these centers and they learn about them. And that's not going to change in the car business. There's not there there's too many franchise dealerships for the car business to just go away the way we know it today i'm not saying it won't evolutionize yeah it will evolutionize that's for sure i love that word evolutionize i am a fan so far of the subscription service though you talk about uh i think justice said renting movies and what we get from Netflix now and all the subscription services. I kind of like that, but it still doesn't do away with the dealership model. It may change it a little bit and hopefully for the better, but um, I like the subscription service. It needs tweaked. There are things that it needs tweaked. Volvo does it somewhat successfully, I believe, but still, okay, let's talk about that. Let's go to a deal, uh, a subscription service. You're still going to have a dealership. And you'll still have that model. 
and you'll still have the finance office. <laughs> well, you're definitely going to the finance office because it's incredibly lucrative for whoever owns that relationship. It's incredibly lucrative. We've got a couple really interesting, uh, interesting comments here in the chat. This is from uh, Jay Nagami. Buying a car is like buying a shoe you have to try on, even know your shoes number. Yep, I completely agree. Jordan yeah. in the chat saying it's like Best Buy. People can window shop and then order online. Justice agrees with you, Pops. Uh, it'll be educational showrooms, not selling. And without yeah. disclosing who we were talking to yesterday, we had a guest at the YAA team meeting, someone who is connected back into dealerships through their family. And what was what was, what were they telling us? They were saying that even at their dealerships, there's fewer salespeople. They expect in the future, there's going to be fewer salespeople. It's more product specialists. So I yes. completely mm -hmm. agree with that. Yeah, because yeah. I, I, you know, BMW a few years back developed their BMW Genius program. And, and I will tell you that before Mini had their program for product specialists, we were the first mini store in the country to do it voluntarily on our own because we felt that there should be people that know the product inside and out. And when somebody comes in and says, gee, I'd like to test drive a vehicle, we would set them up with, with a product specialist who they could test drive the vehicle with. And, and we used to tell the customer, and if you come back and you say, okay, I want to buy one, this product specialist is not the person that can help you with that. He can only share his knowledge and enthusiasm for the vehicles with you. He can't sell them to you. Now I gotta, I gotta. There's some thoughts going through my head here. Um, Tesla, Tesla's valuation is over a trillion dollars. We've talked a little bit about Rivian over the past couple of days. They're the third most valuable uh, automaker in the United uh, in the United States in the world yeah. um, as a result of of selling, you know, like a dozen trucks. What what makes those valuations seem not so far fetched is if you think about what Kimberly's hitting on, which is like there's a lot of money to be made in the FNI. Like there's actually a lot of money to be made as a dealership. You, you can make a lot of money owning that relationship. Is that part of why those companies are valued the way they are is because maybe that's in their plan is to, to capture that revenue, to capture that profit, to sell. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Apple has Apple care. Would either of you guys be surprised if Tesla comes out with Tesla care, which is your Tesla extended warranty that comes with support? And, and bear with me here, but Apple's service revenues is now a $70 billion a year revenue business unit. Didn't used to be. And that's Apple care. That's iTunes, right? Like, and this is why I think we actually will see this shift over time, because the executives that are at Toyota, Kia, Hyundai, Subaru, BMW, Daimler, et cetera. They love the way that this industry has worked, but they're pressured by the same things that, heck, we're pressured by. Like, you've got to make more money. That's why you exist as a company. you got to drive your valuation. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some of these board meetings, they're saying, we want to be valued like Tesla. We hear that from Mary Barra all the time at GM. You want to be valued like Tesla? Sell direct to consumer, own the F&I profits, own the whole relationship, cut out your dealer, we'll value you more. I'm just saying... There's a hell of a lot of legal regulations that retain this existing model, but I wouldn't be surprised if you end up with actually a fight between the OEMs who want to go direct to consumer and all these entrenched businesses that want to retain the way that things work. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but for the most part, most of these manufacturers do not want to sell direct to the consumers. They don't want to be the one that has to deal with the consumer when there's a problem. That's why they like having the dealerships. Uh, I, I'm just, yeah. you know, and I understand that's Tesla's model. That's great for Tesla. That's not great for Ford. That's not great for GM. And while I agree with you today, 
my thinking, Dad, is again, we see this in the signaling of how businesses try to position themselves. Like they're obviously, everyone is in a boardroom. If you're an executive, if you're on the board at GM or Ford, you're literally sitting in meeting quarterly and saying, what the hell is Rivian doing that we're not doing? We've got the Ford Lightning coming out. Why aren't we valued like they are? We've actually sold cars. They haven't. And I can't help but imagine that some of these conversations are driving towards, well, if we own more of the customer relationship, then we can drive even more customer lifetime value. And we, you know what? We are starting to see this. We are starting to see this. BMW came out with like subscribe for certain features in your car, which is kind of in that direction of like, we want to control how we make money from the consumer within their life cycle. We've got other manufacturers coming out with other features that you're going to have to subscribe to, or that's why they want so much data about your vehicle. Tesla does have their own insurance program as well. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm sitting here on a Friday and, and I'm actually thinking more than ever before that there's going to be winds of change for the next few years. And it was all precipitated by, by the pandemic. Uh, and I'm not saying there's not going to be winds of change. I, I just think it's really a gentle breeze. It's not winds at this point. It's a gentle breeze. It's a, it's, it's a desire amongst those who have to purchase these things to have it be that way, to have, to see that change. But, it's going to take many, many years before that gentle breeze turns into winds of change, I believe. And, and hey, you know, it's just an opinion. And I could be, I could be way off base, um, but just based on the history that I've seen, I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't see drastic change coming in the next decade. There will be some forms of change in the next decade, but the drastic change might be 20 years from now or 30 years from now as all the technologies change. Kimberly, are you available on November 19th, 2042 by chance? <laughs> let me let me check on my on my smartphone. Let me yeah. see. Um, I have an all day event that day. I'll be underground. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just letting you know. It's what it says on my calendar. I gotta say, I am like you should put me in the middle because I am on the on the in the middle about this. I am a hundred percent with Ray about the breeze. It's a gentle breeze at this point. And, uh, but I do think that the change is going to come around more quickly. Yes, within a decade. I think we're going to have a 10 years from now. I think it's going to be completely different. But uh, what you said, Zach, is I don't think for many manufacturer boardrooms that they're sitting around talking about what you just said. Only because I think Ray and I both know this. There are a lot of headset, mindset, I'm not changing. This is how it's going to be because we have the best brand and we have for the past hundred years. So you might know who I'm talking about now. And so I don't think that they're going to be sitting around saying, hmm, they're doing it that way and they're making a lot of money. So why don't we do that too? I don't think they're open-minded to make change. I hear you. I completely hear you. I think this actually ties back to a comment that Igor put in the chat. Let me pull it up here. It's the last piece of that statement, right? It says money talks. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Igor's making the point that a lot of dealer principles are super ingrained in their local communities and their local governments, and that'll that'll hold um, some water in terms of you know uh, holding off this winds or breeze of change. But money talks, right? And so I think 
at the end of the day, what will inevitably happen here is wherever the money's flowing is where the market's going to go. Um, and so whether you've been doing something you know, for 100 years in one way and, and then you got to pivot and change, even these big companies will or they'll they'll fade into the past. And I'm not so sure it's going to happen in the next 10 years, 20 years or 30 years. But it's very interesting to see the market's reaction to this news. Honestly, even our conversation with very different perspectives is really fun as we're trying to build YAA as a business. Yeah. Super interesting as well. There was a comment in the chat. Let me pull it up here. It was from Tatcha Hunter saying Tesla is going to reinvent the extended warranty. Honestly, we're hoping that we can be a part of that as well. Like, right. You should actually want to make more claims on your extended warranty so we can get more data so we can like sell better products. It's the whole industry is uh, uh, is definitely evolving and it's fun to be a part of it uh, and see as it's uh, as it's all occurring. Something that is also changing, guys. We're talking about the most successful consumer company in history has accelerated Apple, I'm talking about Apple, has accelerated mm. their uh, electric vehicle project and aims for a fully autonomous car. Previously, they had signaled that that was going to take five to seven years. It was on a five to seven year timeline. They're now saying they want to get something out and in production in the next four years. They recently replaced the executive who was leading um, uh, this, uh, what they call internally, what the heck do they call it internally? They put some code word on it, the internal project. They put Kevin Lynch, who is actually the Apple Watch uh, executive, the executive in charge of Apple Watch. They've put him in charge of the Apple car instead of someone who left for Ford. And just to give you a little context here, where was it? Apple's ideal car would have no steering wheel and pedals, and its interior would be designed around hands-off driving. One option discussed inside the company features an interior similar to the one in the lifestyle vehicle from Canoe, an EV company. Uh, in that car, in that car, passengers sit along the sides of the vehicle and face each other like they would in a limousine. Apple has also explored designs where the car's infotainment system, likely a large iPad touchscreen, would be in the middle of the car, letting users interact with it throughout a ride. Here we go, guys. Winds of change, breeze of change. Pops, you getting in an Apple car anytime soon? No. <laughs> Absolutely no. not. I, I'm sorry. Technology is a wonderful thing. And they haven't invented anything with technology that doesn't have bugs in it. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, what, what is it you hit? Uh, uh, shift, control, delete. Every time <laughs> yeah. your computer freezes up. Okay. If there's glitches in computers, and there are. If there's glitches in your cell phones, and there are. Why would I ever want to put my tuchus in a car that doesn't have a steering wheel and it's just all this technology moving me from one place to another? Ain't happening. Not my not not for me. Okay. And and what you just described sounds a hell of a lot like the Amtrak trains you take when you come to Atlantic City. <laughs> Oh my gosh, not in a million years. I've seen this on the Black Mirror uh, Netflix thing, not to mention hackers. Oh my gosh, yes, Jeannie. Somebody hacks into your the car that your Tukas is sitting in, and then you smash into a brick wall. No, thank you. Yeah. Now, I realize that computers and electronics and technology of today gets us to the outer space webs, up to the moon and everywhere else. But they do that once in a while. You think I'm going to get in a car every single day and expect that those computers and electronics are going to get me there flawlessly every single day without smashing into someone else? 
No, thank you. Yeah. And talking about like uh, going into outer space, I don't know. There was a pretty good movie, and I re and I remember uh, the actual event occurring. What was it, Apollo thirteen, where there were technology glitches, and they weren't sure that they'd be able to get the the uh, space capsule back to Earth. Okay. Well, I'm telling you, all these computers have these tiny little glitches in them for whatever reason nobody can explain them you know they they nobody can always figure them out well, I, I i i see where they want to go I, I i i get it um but there's certain things that if it's a moving vehicle of any type i want an honest to god human being operating that vehicle i don't want artificial intelligence i don't i don't want um some camera looking forward and other cameras looking 360 degrees. I want a damn human being that, that might make the wrong choices, but at least they're making the choices. Even the Jetsons had a joy wand in their little space car. At least they could use that to get them around. Oh, yes. God. All right, gang, let me go to the chat here because there are a lot of reactions. Um, Igor agrees with you 100%, just to be clear. So uh, Justice has a question for you, Pops. Do you not fly? Because 99% of the time your plane is being piloted by a computer. I That's do true. fly, but but the last time I That's checked, true. there's a pilot and a co-pilot. They're there yeah. for a reason. Even though 99% of the time it's got a computer, Okay, there, there's a pilot and a co-pilot. I don't know. Let's talk about the plane that landed in the Hudson River. Okay, if, if it didn't have a pilot or a co-pilot, there would have been a lot of dead people. Okay, Thank you, so, Captain Sully. Yes. So Big shout out to Captain Sully. Yes. Yes. So, yes, I do fly. Yes, I believe in a lot of the computer technology. I do. But there's a reason that there's a pilot and a co-pilot to override the computer when it's necessary. We've got Jeremy Harris with a kind of morbid comment. Pretty funny. Sleep yeah. on my commute would be great. And if the car gets in an accident, I die in my sleep. Best way to get it. <laughs> I mean, Jeremy, that is one way to look at it. Yes, yes. All right, we got Justice here again in the chat because humans never knock into each other and always do the right thing. <laughs> and we've got, I do not want a human tweeting in a moving car. So I think actually justice right there makes a really, really compelling point. If we had grown up in an environment where the tech had already been there and people were in autonomous cars, like imagine that for a moment, do you mm -hmm. think we would, do you think we would have the same level of incidences that we do at present where we've got distracted driving, drunk driving and, and human beings just piloting the vehicles? It's a, it's fascinating to think like we accept a certain level of risk. Every time we get into a car, we're now intimidated by the idea of the computer being the one responsible for that versus us. But it's the scariest, most dangerous thing you do every single day if you get into a car. And so it is very, it's interesting to think, is it more or less safe than someone tweeting while they're driving? I don't know. I would rather not find out. Yeah, I, I, I agree just... with you. <laughs> Let's not find out. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Also, Tasha's got a really good point. Algorithms are also written by humans. So there's this inherent question of like, so the human being might have bias for how they write the algorithm. So how do you then dictate a particular situation? If there's a situation where the car needs to decide between veering to the right and hitting someone in their child or veering to the left and hitting a bus, what does it do? How does it decide? A human being is the one actually implicitly informing that decision by the systems we've created to give it intelligence. That's kind of crazy to think about. 
Well, thank God there are lawyers because <laughs> I think in the future th they will have plenty of work. Stop, right. stop buying cars.com and find a lawyer.com. We should probably. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Lawyers are us. Um, I see a comment. Deer or child? What a great comment. Yeah. Seriously, though, if the car has to make that decision, it's kind of crazy to think. All right, gang, let's wrap. This has been a What fun if it's a small deer? Okay, no. Um, <laughs> we're not going further down that path. Let's let's wrap with something that we've been seeing in the community forum and during uh, in a lot of our one to one chats. Miss Kimberly Klein, I know this is something that is top of mind for you. I'm going to play the sound bite and then let's hop into it. Okay. Really? You, you gotta, gotta be, be kidding, kidding me. <laughs> All right. So we're seeing more and more creative ways for car dealerships to add income uh, to kind of like, uh, you know, just increase the amount of money that they're making, taking a little bit, we would say, advantage of a situation where there's not enough supply, but there's still demand. Miss Kimberly Klein, what are you seeing with CPO units? There was something that you mentioned to me the other day. I wanted to give you the platform to, to share it with our audience. Yes. So I had, well, I've had several calls about this, but I had one yesterday with a really great gal who said she watched all of all of her videos as if she were getting a college degree like she really went for it and so she was going over a deal with me and then we stopped on a nine i think it was 998 dollar charge for certification so as we went on i started saying well wait a minute what kind of certification is this a cpo unit certified pre-owned unit or is this by the manufacturer or is it a dealership certification big difference um so yeah you want to talk about that big difference there's two different certifications don't let the dealership pull this over your eyes all i want to tell you is that if you have you want to question the term certified or certification the first thing you want to ask is what kind of certification is this is it a manufacturer CPO or is it the dealership providing you with their own type of certification? If either one of them, you want to know what it looks like on paper, a CPO manufacturer dealership will, you have to sign a CPO inspection that is signed by the technician that performed that inspection and signed by a manager of the dealership, a dealership certification, same question show me the paperwork, show me the contract. What am I getting for that $998 certification? Yeah, a dealership certification could simply be the dealership saying, yep, we certify this is a used car. <laughs> it could be. It could be. They're all over the place. Yes. They don't know. They could be anything. You you want to you want to see the paperwork that comes with it. You want to see what the inspection process looked like. Um, you you want to you want to find out what the terms and conditions would be as to uh, extended warranties and things like that involved with the C. If it's if it's certified or if it's a manufacturer and certified that's the first program, point, right? That it's just like first and foremost. What is it like? If it if you see on your out the door right. price worksheet and it literally says certified nine ninety eight, the first question is is that. 
manufacturer certified pre-owned or is that you know billy bob's certification and if it's billy bob's that's fine just explain to me what it is and oh if yeah. i'm not mistaken it's taxable so i'm going to negotiate with you on that. i'm telling you it's it, if, if it's billy bob's it's just billy bob saying yeah we certify you're damn right this is a used car we're not certifying it's any good we're just we're just certifying that it is indeed a pre-owned automobile um to me it, <laughs> it was it was just a way for for the dealer to add nine hundred ninety-eight dollars, and and there was really no value for the customer. From Igor, yes. it's as good as toilet paper. That's what dealership CPO toilet is paper. now. Factory CPO is worth something. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yes. So, um, for example, a dealership certification could be them saying for nine hundred ninety-eight dollars, we're certifying it, um, and it's going to give you a twelve-month, one thousand-mile warranty. Oh my gosh, really? Check out the prices of an extended warranty before you go paying $998 for a certification of a 12-month warranty um, and, and weigh the differences. Make sure you know what you're getting. I just posted it in the chat, guys. Um, I, I'm really proud. We actually just updated back on our website. We literally did this this morning. If you go to resources and you go to blog, we've reorganized all of our resources. They're a little more easy to follow. And the reason I bring this up is because if you scroll down here, you can actually search. It's much easier. We've got the free newsletter, so subscribe to that. All the latest news. But then if you come down here, we've organized the buying guides the extended warranty reviews. So if you want to look for different reviews and, and just to show you here, if you click on show all, we can keep going. We can keep going. We actually did a breakdown of all the different manufacturer extended warranty reviews. So you've Excellent. got all that information back here. Again, resources blog. We've got CPO reviews on this page. We've organized and cleaned this up a bunch. We even put the glossary of terms that both of you worked on the car yeah. buyers one, the F and I one, they're all on this page success stories. So trying to clean things up, trying to help. We've got a lot more EV content uh, coming down as well, coming down the pike. So we're going to get an EV section going on the website too. Long story short, this is something to be aware of in terms of certifications and what you're paying for. And now not only on YouTube, can you get that, but back at joinyaa.com slash guides. Took me about four hours this morning, but I thought to myself, holy hell, we got to organize this thing. We got we got 200 articles on there. Let's organize it. It's a lot more cleaned up. Go take a peek. Nicely done. Very nicely done. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, Michael A says going to blog itself is not intuitive. It wasn't. Now it is, Michael. Now it is. At least a little more. A little more. Yeah. Maybe steps. Well, Miss Kimberly. More, oh, go ahead. It's more intuitive than self-driving cars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait for it. Wait, wait. Can you say that again? I got, I got it's, it right this time. Okay, it's more intuitive than a little slower, a little slower, a little slower. Okay. okay. Yeah. It, it's more intuitive than self-driving cars. <laughs> oh my god! Friday, you guys, you Thanks guys. Thanks for me next week. Um, get excited for that. We'll see you on Monday noon Eastern, nine West. Pops, love you, Kimberly. Can't say it because of HR, but also love you. Thank you both so much for doing this. <laughs> Thank you, Zach. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Yep. Have you a good too. weekend, everybody. See ya. Oh, do we have a live stream tomorrow night? Live stream tomorrow night. Yep. Join us at, um, what time do we do? 7 p.m. Eastern. 7 Eastern. That would be uh, 4 West. 4 West. See you guys tomorrow night. Okie doke. Bye-bye, everybody. Join us again next time, which is probably tomorrow, to get the news you can use from YAA. YAA is your trusted source for all things auto. 
Thanks for listening. See you soon. 